professional. He's a he's, he's a professional and a gentleman. A you professional know? and a gentleman. Gentleman. <laughs> 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 like, nah, we, we, are you coming from somewhere, bro? Yeah, I just came from dinner. <laughs> oh, you look like you came from church. My bad. Oh. I'm not even making fun. I wasn't. Look, I already know you good with the Jones. I'm good. I was, like, I was just talking about the uh, shirt shining. <laughs> yeah, I, I had to put my good shirt on, man. I took my father. It was his birthday, so I took him out to dinner today. So I put on a good shirt from my dad. Oh, well, happy, happy birthday, birthday to dad. Hey, happy birthday to Pops. Yo, like let's it. jump. Let's jump right in. That's why I'm mad with it. Yo, welcome to I'm going to get in trouble, ladies and gentlemen. It's your boy Eddie Lyles with Terrence G. What's going on, bro? Our guest today is going to be none other then, Mr. Lawrence Killabue himself, how you feeling, sir? Thank y'all for having me. Appreciate it, man. Definitely. Hell yeah. Now, Hell yeah. I'm going to be honest. You are the first person to, with when they came on a podcast, to have their name as Comedy Hustle. Yeah, that's my brand. That's that's who I am. So that's what I'm putting up here. What, what, so what is Comedy Hustle? Real quick. Let's let's get to that first. Uh, comedy Hustle is, is kind of embodies who I am. You know, um comedy is what i do comedy is my passion but i believe that nothing you believe in enough you do you have to put some hustle behind it so that's mm -hmm. basically the whole mindset of right there whatever like it could be anything it could be whatever like it could be radio hustle it could be you know teacher hustle but whatever you got a passion for you got to put some hustle behind it like you just can't you just have a dream you got to put something behind it to achieve that dream so that's the whole mindset of comedy hustle so now all right hold on I want to phrase this all the way right, right, right. All right. So we 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 dumbly, very stupidly, very uh, idiotically read a post that somebody put up, or read a, 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 a what was it, Terrence? It was a it was an article. Was it an article? It was a crybaby thing. Okay, wait a minute. I I said I said I would hate people if they don't acknowledge the truth. It was an article, and the article. Oh, yeah, it was some bullshit. So, it was a young lady who was basically saying hustle culture has ruined comedy. Well, I can. <laughs> you know Did you not see this article? I haven't seen it, but that statement kind of makes sense. I understand mm. from with that statement. I think that whole mindset has has ruined a lot of things with the demise mm. of hustle for what you want and. You know, no sleep and, uh, you know, it's grind, grind, grind. I think sometimes grind you time. forget about the actual artistry of it. Like, so people mm. in comedy right now, I feel like so many people are focused on things like creating content and getting followers, getting views, uh, you know, hustling, that they're forgetting about the actual art of stand-up comedy. So I understand exactly what that statement is, but mm. it's determines about the individual person like what like me i've been a stand-up first that was who i okay. was and, and the hustle just came for me trying to be able to do it as a career and then it turned into like other uh things in business and stuff like that but initially i was just trying to be a stand-up comedian who did it for me. 
But I can understand where that that statement could be has some truth to it. Like I, so, are right, cool. like I hear comedians say, you know, like they're more focused on like, yo, I gotta make videos tonight instead of I gotta write some jokes tonight. So that hustle they're putting behind creating content for the internet, they're losing that when they go on stage. So I mean, I get it, I understand. So uh, the argument that I give, and this is why I think this is, and I, 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 uh, 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 damn, I'm trying to use. It. I, we said I said this on the last podcast. I don't care when I disrupt, but I do care when I disrupt my guests, right? So I, I want to say I don't agree with your full take, but okay. everybody's to, exactly, everybody's supposed to add on. I, I think what you said was very accurate, though, right? I don't take when you say hustle culture, I don't think hustling is just being out every day. Right. So like I like I I, I dealt with a lot of street shit, right? Let's let's put that on the side, right? So you could be a street nigga who sells sells whatever you sell on the street, and you could do it very stupidly, or you could do it very smart. But they they're both called hustle, but there's a correct way to hustle and a wrong way to hustle. And I think a lot of times people hustle the wrong way. And so then we associate the wrong way with with just the hustle culture. I get it, but you know what I'm I get what you're saying. But on a, what I was more so is how many of those guys that are hustling right are showing you how to hustle the right way? Mm. Same thing when it comes to comedy. Like, like I was saying, it's people that's doing the wrong way of hustling and forgetting about the art. No one teaching them because everybody is promoting the fact that you have to have so many followers. You have to right. following up. So like, yeah, you can hustle the right way, but you also have to teach somebody to hustle the right way. Mm. But always ask people like, what is your what is your motivation? Some people want to be stars. Some people want to be famous. Then some people will actually want to be good at stand-up. So right. if you want to be famous, then that's the route you need to take because you need to focus on getting followers and you know, getting your content up and getting your views up, then you focus on that. If you want to be a stand-up comedian, focus on this over here. So if you want to be a good hustler, you gotta find a good hustler to teach you how to hustle. See, and this, and then we come mm. back to the we come back to the crawl. Now now we on the same page, baby. Like, and I think I think a lot, and this is one thing that I told Turns, right? So I started promoting shows. I think you I think you've been doing comedy, you've been you're in comedy for what? You're in teens, right? Yeah, 15? 15, 15 years. 15 years. So, like, uh, one thing that I was telling Till Terrence, we were just having this conversation on one of the other old podcasts about, like, I went the route of promoter and comic. And my OG, my OG is Eddie Bryant. And my OG off the Brizzy, okay. that's everybody's guy. <laughs> that's everybody got. Everybody love Eddie Bryant. Um, but one of the things, he was the one that told, he was like, don't do that. Don't do it. He's like, listen, and, and it's the same reason why now, I understand what he meant, right? It wasn't a discouragement of like, you shouldn't promote or listen. It was more or less like, you got to understand what your what path you are taking at this point. That's because if you be- That truth. So, because if you become a, a better promoter than you are a comic, everybody's going to be like, oh, you're a promoter. And, and, <laughs> and because I, that's, I did the same thing. I did the exact, when I first started out, this is what I mean by how hustling, you can hustle one right. way and you can hustle the wrong way. When I first got into comedy, my mindset was like, nobody's going to put me on, so I'm going to put myself on. I'm going to create Thank my you. So 
I'm gonna bring my own people out. I'm gonna book the comedians, blah, blah, blah. And I got so wrapped up into making sure that my shows were packed, that my shows were good, that it took away from the craft of me being a comedian. So that's what I mean. Like I was hustling, hustling, hustling to make sure my show was good. And I wasn't hustling, hustling, hustling to make sure I was a good comedian. So mm-hmm. that is the honest to God truth. Like when you do that, you, it's, it's a thin line, you know, cause you so folk like to focus on getting your show right and being a stand up comedian. That is a very hard task to do. So he was hundred percent right about that. Like I had to stop, I had to stop promoting shows. I had to just get out on the road and start telling jokes because it was taken away from me. So you, so you, did you stop completely? Like, did you stop promoting shows completely or did you just go back to, oh, you don't promote shows no more? No, I do. But what happened was basically I was doing a show in Philadelphia for about five years. And then I I started to realize talking to people, the people were associated with me as just that guy of that show. And I didn't like that that comparison. I didn't want to be known as just the guy who has a show. So I just, right. I just stopped. Like I stopped doing that show and focused on being a stand-up comedian. And then I went back to it. So I still do shows, but not mm-hmm. the capacity that I was doing before. Like I was doing it monthly. Every Tuesday, every every second Tuesday of the month for five years, I, I had a show. And I, I just stopped. I, I couldn't do it no more. I wanted to be. I wanted to be known as a comedian, not as the guy who's throwing a good show at this comedy club. I didn't want to do that. So I had to, and, then I, and I've had this conversation. Rashawn is is one of one of my closest, right? And so, like, I, me and her was having a conversation where I was like, I had I, to come to grips. Here, what's huh? I thought she was going to be on here. <laughs> all this, all this fucking time, she reached out. I'm like, all right, what's up? Sorry to disappoint you, Lawrence. I mean, it's not no, it's it's cool, man. You got disappointed. I get it. I get it. I get it. But this is an equal opportunity show, Lawrence. All right. So I, I am part of the one delegation here to represent equal opportunity. <laughs> Just threw me off. Like she was all checking on me, making sure I was doing. It. I'm like, all right, boom. She got the huh? So this is and this is the thing, and I, I've had this. I had this conversation with Rashawn. I don't think I have, but a lot of people were like, like she's Rashawn, watching. She's watching now, right? Yeah, yeah. No, Rashawn's Rashawn does a lot of our booking, and and like that's like my big sis. So she does a lot of our booking. So she'll be like, come on our podcast. She is part of the podcast. She's not on screen a lot. Okay. You get what I'm saying? So it's four of us. And she's the person more in the background, but she because she also does a podcast with somebody else on the same time. Okay. You get what I'm saying? Shout she out Stiletto. She made it seem like she was hosting the show and she was going to be asking me questions and shit. <laughs> to be honest with you, when I first logged in, I thought I was on the wrong podcast. Like, I was like, oh, <laughs> you're like this white motherfucker over here. <laughs> Yo, but that also. And, no, like she and she has the link. Like she can, she gets the so she can jump on anytime she wants to. You know what I'm saying? But uh, 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 yeah, she, she, she's a, she's our booker. She's the person behind behind the scene a lot of the times to okay. keep us in check and yell at me, basically. I <laughs> I'm yeah. still happy to be here, though, man. I appreciate it. But it, it also means you don't read them emails that we be, like everybody else. Nobody reads the email that we send out because we literally put out an email that says. 
Lloyd Turns and Eddie Lyles. We literally put that email out. Listen, all I looked at was <laughs> the, the, the time and the URL. That's all. Exactly. I, <laughs> I looked at the link, what time it had to be here. I was like, fuck it, let's rock. I'm good. That's <laughs> fucking hysterical. Everybody does, dog. I don't get it yeah. fucked up. Everybody does. It no, happens. um, <laughs> no, so I love so, what he was saying. <laughs> So you you kind of you you mentioned the art process that is stand up, and I think that's one of those things that's always kind of pushed by the wayside. You know, people always say you've got to do laughs per minute. You got to focus on writing joke to set up the punchline and trimming the fat. You've got to do this, and they add the rules, and the rule list just gets longer and longer. But it is still an art form, and yeah. so with that, how how does Lawrence Kilbrew practice the art? Like, what's your writing process like? What's your creative process like? How do you go through things? Uh, I think everybody's process is different. Like, everything you said, I do some of it, but most. For me, it's, it's just getting on stage. I just, mm -hmm. like, to be honest with you, I don't write, like, sit. Like, I've seen comedians sometimes have, like, joke books, and, like, it's filled up with shit. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I don't do that. I was just, like, if something happens, like, today, my dad was checking out this girl's ass. You know what I'm saying? And I just thought that was funny to see an older person check out somebody's ass, but he checked it out like extremely slow. Like it was just real slow. So I just wrote that down as like something that I can build off of. And then I'll go on stage and I'll say just like how I'll set it to y'all and I'll see if I got a laugh. And then if I got a laugh, I'll expand on that. Whatever pops in my head, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's usually how I'll do. I'll just think of an idea or if something happens, I'll just write that down and then just go talk about it and see what I get from it. Sometimes it hits, sometimes it don't. Because I'm not really good at writing out a whole joke because then I feel like if I'm reading that joke, how I wrote it is going to sound scripted. And I don't want it to sound script. So for me, I'll just write down an idea or like a topic and then just go on stage and talk about it and see what happens. So see, yeah, that's, that's kinda... I don't even do the topic. I stopped doing the topic part. I literally... I, I, I genuinely go on stage, especially with open mics, especially open mics that I know not too many people are gonna be at, and just talk about my day. And then literally, but and then and and then after that part, I do exactly what you just said. I literally find like I'll talk about my day. Something somebody will laugh about something that happened in my day, and I'm like, all right, cool. Let me see where this goes. And then I'll start to like expand on that. And then I'll go to another open mic, see if people laugh at that one too. People start laughing at that one. Now I'm like, all right, maybe I got a joke here. And then I, you know what I'm saying, write it up. I can't, I don't know how people sit down and write, but I do think it's a good art form, mm -hmm. right? Of of like waking up and just writing. I try to do it. I'm not very successful at it though. I mean, it's, it takes, like I said, different people can, they write differently. Some people like right. to write, people don't got to write anything down. I've noticed that the more, and this might sound, fuck it, this is fuck up or whatever, if you say whatever. Yeah. I, yeah. The more what, more white comedians definitely write down their whole set and yes. sometimes their jokes are more clever because of it. like their jokes more you know make you think to where mine's is just off of just natural cadence of how i talk and you're laughing more so how i'm saying it rather than what i'm saying mm. because I'm coming off natural because i'm just talking to where like certain people who write jokes down it's like pinpoint positions to where they want you to laugh and the cleverness comes within the joke. So that's why, and I, I know what I'm not even going to say white people, uh, white jokes, because I know a lot of black people who do that same thing too. Mm -hmm. So it's the material that they're writing down 
you can tell that it was it was it was carefully positioned in different positions to where they're going to say it, and it's come off a little bit clever than where sometimes like me and you might have this more natural cadence to where we can just talk. Mm -hmm. So that, that kind of brings up a discussion that Eddie, I, Loy, and several guests have had. And you, you kind of teetered on it, but you didn't dive fully in. So let's kind of dive in. Mainstream versus urban room. What do, what do you think of when you hear those terms? What, what is something that – is it a thing to you? Do you like? Does it make you feel some type of way? Is there something that you think of when, it, when you hear that? Uh, I actually hate that statement. Uh, somebody, mm. I actually was just talking about this. I was in um, Huntsville, Alabama, and I had to check the manager because he was like, hey, man, we had a great weekend. These were some great urban shows. And I said, what do you mean by that? And he was like, they were urban shows. I said, like, no, no, expound. What do you mean by these were urban shows? Right. Trying to say. He never really can give me an answer. I understand where it comes from. Like, urban shows is more so black comedians and mainstream is more so white comedians. Uh, I don't like it. I would rather, I don't want to be labeled as either one. I just want to be labeled as a comedian. And I remember that from a club that's in Baltimore, actually. Uh, I did uh, Magoobies. Mm -hmm. You know what that is? This was years ago. I never came back after this either. I did Magoobies years ago. Um, and I don't know if the manager is still there, but after I got oh, off. He is. He is? He is. <laughs> Oh, I got off stage and he was like, hey, man, uh, that was different, man. I just thought you were a Laugh House comedian. And the Laugh House is a club in Philadelphia where a lot of urban comedians came from. And I was like, what do you mean by that? He was like, oh, I just thought that you would be, you know, uh, you know, just fuck pussy this and that. And I was like, just because I worked at that, that club, that's what you think of him? And I never came back to that club after that. Like, I never went back. Whew. Yeah, I'm, so I'm, a, I'm a, yeah. You touch, you so, touch me. You touch. So with, uh, man, I like you a lot. I'm not. I'll be honest with you. I really do like you, man. Like, I, I, use my, use my guy, yo. We like you, like a distant brother for me right now. I'm being it's, honest. <laughs> it's one of those things. So, so because Eddie's kind of stumbling with things because you mentioned something. We'll, we'll kind of brush over. So, with the, 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 the stand up form and the writing thing in the mainstream rooms, there's something Eddie usually talks about. Is you tend to see more writing, quote unquote in the mainstream rooms and you get more off the cuff funny in the urban rooms. That is true. I and, and, and that's where, so for me, since we don't know each other, Lawrence, like I grew up in the comedy scene in the urban rooms. And so I still struggle with the writing. And that's why I'm always interested in the creative process of other comics, because you get that constant tear. You have to write, you have to do this. You have to focus on last per minute. Do you think that rules in comedy fuck up the art form of comedy? I mean, some rules some rules are there to help you, mm. but I don't think you should follow them if you're not comfortable. You know, what I mean, like it's all about being comfortable. If if that rule of seven seconds of every seven seconds someone should be laughing, mm -hmm. but you're a storyteller, that's going to fuck up your set because right, exactly. You're telling stories. There's no way you're going to get a laugh seven, seven seconds. So don't do that. If that's what you're, if you're comfortable with sitting down telling stories, then that rule doesn't apply to you. So whatever rule applies to you, then do that. But if it doesn't, then fuck it. Like that's not what you do. Because yeah. I don't. Worst thing I think you can be is is the worst thing you can be on stage is uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. You're trying to do something that's uncomfortable. 
it won't work. Like I remember I went on the road. Well, I didn't go on the road. I did a couple of shows with uh, DL Hughley, and he required you to wear a suit. And I'm not nigga. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm a sweatsuit, t-shirt type guy, hoodie type dude. And when I was on stage, I felt uncomfortable. And I told him, hey, man, I can't do this because I don't feel myself when I'm on stage. I understand this is your rule, but I don't feel comfortable telling my jokes. And I can't give you a great show if you want me to wear a suit. And we went our separate ways, but at the same time, I don't feel comfortable. I can't perform if I'm not comfortable. Do you regret that? No. Not no. I could tell. I, I could tell by hey, how I, he told I, the story. I just right. wanted it out there. I could tell. I, I just I appreciate that, and I wanted it out there. Yeah. I mean, no. it, I've turned down a lot of shit that I don't regret. Like, I, to be honest with you, when I first started comedy, my my main goal, my only goal, was to be able to say to tell people I tell jokes for a living and I do nothing else. That's all oh, I want. Right. I do that now. I'm happy. Right. That's it. Mm. With that, like I, I'm not saying I'm content, but I'm happy right. with that. Right. right. So I've turned down. Uh, shit, I was on. I was supposed to go on a roll with Kevin Hart. I turned that down too. You know, but that was more of a personal reason to where I was always getting compared to him, and he mm. he said, either you can come with me and you'll always be in my shadow, or you can go on and do your own thing on your own. And I went on my own. So. Yeah, I, I was going to bring that up later um, because I wanted to dive into it a little bit more on the mainstream, but I was definitely going to put a pin in that because I want to talk about that part. Um, but one of the things that I, I do notice, and we've had uh, Marlon uh, Randolph, we had Marlon Randolph on, and I think he basically described it the best. He said, uh, people who try to make mainstream seem better than urban and urban better than mainstream. It's just like the, the black dude who dates a white woman and tells you why black, why he doesn't date black women. It's like, nigga, you just like white women. Shut up. Like that's what it is. And I feel like, like that was the best way of explaining it to people where I was like, listen, bro, stop fucking. I'm not, a, I'm not a mainstream comic. I'm not an urban comic. I'm a fucking comic. I make people laugh. I do both rooms. Now I understand mainstream rooms and mainstream uh, 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 audiences and all that shit. But as comics, we should be comics. And one of the things that I always see is mainstream comics or the white comics try to use that urban shit very racistly, right? Like they'll do it just to be a little racist about, oh man, he got that comic view style. What are you trying, like, so? Nigga, like, that's what we grew up on. You know what I'm saying? Like, Y'all motherfuckers, like, and I, I try to explain this to somebody else, of white comics have a lot of examples of different styles of comedy, right? And and more so that we don't, like, a lot of black people don't even know who they're referencing or who they're mimicking, and uh, quote unquote. You know what I'm saying? Whereas on black comics, when you look at, like, TV, we didn't have, we don't even have uh, half as many as white comics that made it on TV. So when you hear us even similar, just very ever so slightly similar to somebody, you're automatically like, oh, that motherfucker trying to be Kevin Hart. Oh, that nigga trying to be Eddie Murphy. Oh, that nigga trying. And so instead of being racist and be like, oh, he a black comic, they'll say, oh, he got a real laugh house style of comedy. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's why I don't fuck with the shit. You know what I'm saying? But like, I'm always on both sides sometimes, you know, so so it is some urban comedians though. It is yes. 
comics that go into mainstream rooms and do urban shit. You know what I'm saying? Like right. I've seen comics go into like uh I would say a, a funny bone or like an improv and act nitterish. Like, you know what I'm saying? So that and what's fucked up is that they'll take that one incident and then pit that on everybody else to come. Every black. You know what I'm saying? So uh. it's give and take sometimes, but I understand exactly what you're talking about so let's I mean, like all right so let's wrap that part up but let's jump into the whole thing because somebody was trying to tell me like you used to run with the plastic cup boys right well yeah i'm on tour with them now i'm on tour but that not okay boys is just naeem and spank mm. right that's that you know when kevin's not on tour uh naeem and spank those are the it's three comedians in the plastic cup boys it's right. Kevin, right. naeem and spank and then they have Wayne, he's a plastic cowboy, he's the manager. Harry, he's a manager. Joey, he's a comedian, but he do he more so writes. And then his uh boss, he's the trainer, and one more guy, he's a barber. So when Kevin Hart's not on tour, the plastic cowboys they tour and I roll with them. Mm. Got it. Okay. I hold I host the tour when Naeem and Spank are on tour, and then when they go back on the road with Kevin Hart, I don't host anymore. Guys, you, damn, that's that's a lot of gigs. God damn. <laughs> it's, I mean, I'm, it's, it's fun. Is I'm blessed. It's very profitable. Uh, it has its, it has its pros. It has its cons. Uh, mm. But it's not like what everybody thinks. Uh, I definitely enjoy it. I'm definitely happy to be in this position to be associated with them in any type of way. You know, but right? Not all that is like like everything doesn't look. What it seems that it looks like from the outside looking in. So right. what do you think? So what would you rather like? Right? Because you're doing the Plastic Cup Boys are still uh -huh. doing theaters. They're not doing arenas. Y'all doing like 300, 400 seaters. Yeah. Even more than that sometimes. Which ones do you rather like? The, and, and and I bring this up because I everybody that's in like the teens, like I just hit I just hit my tenth. Right. I'm I'm going into my tenth. And and I was explaining this to somebody else of like I. I've been in a 2000 room. I've been in a, I've been in a hundred room and I've been in like the 300, 400. I like 300, 400. Now that, and, and somebody was like, as you grow, that starts to change. Which one do you like the most? Is it, is it the hundred room, the small intimate rooms, the 300, 400 rooms, or like those two thousands? I like, to be honest, I like the smaller rooms because those larger rooms can be misleading. <clears throat> you can do a 2000 like I've done theaters and shit like that and it's for one it's, it's a lot of elements to go into it when you do like a, a, a large theater usually the tickets cost more right tickets are a lot more expensive so your audience is that that weeds out the riffraff right there right mm -hmm. $25 ticket that weeds out the riff that's one thing then two the people that are coming, it's an event. They're coming mm. because they want to experience something. They paid $125 for tickets. You got dressed up. You paid for parking. You probably took a chick out to drink. So you there to laugh. So right. if you're, and then nine times out of 10, whoever is on the bill, like if it's a Kevin Hart, they're already excited. So anybody that goes on before them. Right. Is, it's like damn near impossible to fail. Like you have right. borderline horrible 
to fail in that position. So then once right. laughing is contagious. So if one person's laughing, sitting next to somebody, they're going to laugh. So that shit can be very misleading. But if you do a room, like 100 people, and they don't know who you are, and you right. make them laugh, I would rather do that than to do the 2,000 seat or whatever. Because I know I'm funny at that point. Like, I know that nobody in this room knows me, and these 100 people laughed because of me, not because they were, you know, you know. The Other opposite. elements. Yeah. Residuals. Residual laughter. That's a thing too, right? Like that's one thing I said is is when the time, not if, when the time comes for me to shoot my comedy special, I think I would prefer to do it in a smaller venue for that reason. I think it's more genuine to the craft, more genuine to the art. And it's that audience that I enjoy because you get that more authentic connection. Everybody's shooting for the theater. They're shooting for, you know, the, this massive arena and getting all the cameras. And it's like, man, give me two cameras and, and a shitty dive bar. I'm cool. So yeah, I would prefer the smaller crowd. Don't get me wrong. I fucking love them big ones. Right, 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 right. The money is a lot better. <laughs> yes. But, you know, if, if I had an option, like he said, if I wanted to do a special, like I did two of them, and both of them were in small crowds. Mm, yeah. See that? I definitely enjoy the smaller crowds, and I enjoy the bigger crowds. So I'm planning. So my I'm planning my first special for next year, and like that has been a a big conversation of where to go, right? Because the unfortunate part for other people, not for me, is I promote in DC, so I have bigger I have bigger shows. So I already have the audience to put together for my special, and I think that's where it becomes. An issue for me because I can do a bus boys and poison DC that holds 120 and pack it out because I want to do four shows. I want to do four tapings and I'll see where I can pull from. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I, I everybody's different on it. I get it, but I, I've heard I want to start with four and then hopefully drop it down to like two or three, like maybe wow. two. But I know I don't want to do one shoot for my special. But I that, can do a bus boys and pull. Huh? Is it that smart? That's very smart. I did. So, yeah. I, did, uh, I take my special. How I how I had the club pay for it. I headlined the club and then I recorded my sets. So basically, Ooh. I five sets over the over the span of the weekend, and I mm -hmm. had basically pay me to do the weekend, and then I used the money they used to pay me to fund the, the project. Smart play. That's a smart motherfucking play, bro. I ain't mm -hmm. mad at that at all. How many how many angles did you do? I did three, one from each side, and then I had, well, two. Well, three, I had one on each side, and then I had a camera that was getting, like, uh, images in the front, images in the back, images from the side. Like, I had one um, Roman Rota camera. Roman camera, yeah. I had two on each side like that. So, yeah, so I'm thinking, of, so the thing is, is, like like I said, I, I, I'm, if I do a Busboys and Poor style, if it, it's still 120 people, and I know I can pack it out three times easy. Right for uh, the fourth one to be the struggle. If I go four with a three hundred seater, that's where I'm like, can I pack it out four fucking times to make but, it run? <laughs> I'm trying to tell you to do something different, but this is one. Yeah. This is one thing that I wish I would have done, but it been very very difficult. Everybody okay. shoot the special at home, but I noticed 
from because I take everything that I do. Like I literally record every show that I've I've owned, I record all of it. My set is a lot more polished away from home. Mm. So and a lot of people don't think about this when they do a special. They think about it like you have to think about that special for people everybody out else living. So a lot of people mm -hmm. don't think about that. A lot of people just think oh, I'm gonna put a special and my phone uh, will come out, blah blah blah. But I noticed you get comfortable. Exactly. My first yeah. special I did, I was very comfortable. I did a lot of home material. Yeah. I started to riff about stuff that was going on in the city. And the mm. other one, it was very crisp and to the point. Now I'm not telling you to do it somewhere different. But just think about that. Think about performing in another city. The only problem was for me, I had a hard time packing out another city that I wasn't from. So that's like the give, yeah. give and take thing with that. It's like, if I go to another city, can I pack it out? Or do I have to get someone else to pack it out? But just think about that. The, 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 the cadence is a lot different when you're not at home than when you are. No, I, and you know what? Now that you said that, that makes so much because I even on stage, yep. I, I I can see that. Now I don't tape every set; I'd record every set, and like so, like <laughs> I told somebody else's, I don't care if it's an open mic, and I'm just going out there talking about my day. I don't give a fuck. I record every set on audio, and then I listen to it on my drive to wherever I'm going when I leave. Like, do you do that or not? Like with your videos, do you just watch it right afterwards? No, I don't watch it until probably like two, three days after. Like I got on my phone, I usually just put up my tripod, put my phone, and I record all my sets. And then when I get home, I take them off my phone, put them on my computer. I let them sit for a while because I don't want, I don't, I really don't like watching myself at all. Mm. Go back to it and I'll watch it to see what you know what was happening. And I, I've noticed that I'm always real comfortable, and I'll riff off into something else, or I'll talk about somebody in the crowd. But when I'm away from home. I'm sticking to what it is I'm supposed to do. And then the set is a lot more crisp for something that if I want to sell, like if I wanted to sell it to somebody to put up like on a Netflix. Right. Like, right. About, uh, what's the, what's the, where you from? Where you from, man? I'm from DC. DC. So if, what's this, what's that spot with the, the funny bear in front of it and shit? Oh, uh, Ben's. Oh, you saw Ben Chillibow. Yeah, you know about Ben's. And then you started talking about Ben Chillibow. People right. fucking fucking Atlanta don't know what Ben Chili Bowl is, so it might not. Right. Come, somebody's watching it from Atlanta. They're like, "What the fuck is Ben Chili Bowl? I don't know what that is." But the people right. at home are cracking the fuck up. So right. is, you gotta think about that when you do that. Like I might, you might riff off and talk about that, blah blah blah, whatever. So that's underrated. So, so, okay. so you so you went with three can, and I'm being dead ass with you. I'm literally so like my whole goal was is that August next year that. Uh, October next year, I'm shooting my special. So I'm literally going every detail now, like, because I want to know how much money it's going to cost, everything like that. And, and and now you just threw a fucking wrench in my plans because I definitely was going to do it at home. But now that you said that, it makes so much... It makes, like, you ever read, uh, 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 uh shit, Napoleon Hill? You ever read anything from... Because if you're a hustler, I'm guessing you do. All right? Yeah. But if you think about it, just think about it. Think how many people... Just think about this. Like, this... I always look at other shit. Right. How many of the special that you think are classics, right? How many of them were shot in that comedian's hometown? Think about it. Raw, that wasn't shot in his hometown. Kevin Hart's first four special shot, yeah. wasn't shot in his hometown. Right. Even if you go to fucking Cat Williams, he did this in Atlanta. Like, 
the, the one I and think DC. And DC, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, think about that. Like, you got to think like there. Like, Dave's first special was in DC, though. Dave's it, first it, special was in DC. It, yeah. No, no, no. Was it? Was it? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it was in DC. Because it was when he was still on Comedy Central. Yeah, yeah. Dave's a totally different beast. Like, <laughs> he's, he's, not normal. he's not normal. Yeah, and technically, I don't, I wouldn't say it's his first special because he had the half hour special joints and he, yeah. he was already on Comedy Central. So, Chris Rock, Chris Rock, he didn't even, yeah. he didn't do his special in New York until fucking Big and Blacker, a black, whatever that was, some shit bigger, like. blacker. Yeah. Got, yeah, fucking, yeah, you're right, man. So now I gotta fucking try to get bigger and like travel a couple more. Well, no, no, I mean it's like traveling is one thing, but it's it's like I think uh, my whole my biggest goal was always to like not have a. I think a lot of people want to do specials, and this is one, and this is a good one for you, right? This is a good question for you. So I think a lot of people now are putting out their jokes on TikTok and YouTube and Instagram and everybody because a couple comics blew up. Andrew Andrew Schultz uh, from the Brilliant Idiots and Flagrant Two. Is the biggest person right now off of putting putting out his own special on YouTube and it blowing up. And it and how he did it was he put out a lot of clips. He put a lot of clips of his special out um on YouTube and Instagram. And people were like, Oh, this dude's funny, started sharing it, and then out of nowhere, he drops the entire special. Like he literally, I think he put out, I think he said he put out like 30 minutes of his special and five-minute clips. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying, and then or, or, or like and like two to five minute clips, and then put out his whole special. So now I started seeing a lot of comics doing it with TikTok and, and Instagram and everything. And one of the things I said was, I don't think that's smart. Just me, or it's not for that's not for me until I have a special out, because I want to be able. Like I think like everybody's trying to copy Andrew without looking at every everything that he did. You're looking at bits and pieces of it. Do you do you do you think do you, what is your thoughts on that of like putting putting out stuff? I mean, if you can write material, then put it out. Like I'm not, I, I I mean, I don't have that much material to put out thirty minutes and then have a whole another thirty minutes when you come see me live. Because I look exactly. at exactly once you put that material out and somebody comes see you, they don't want to see that same material. So right. a comedian that can put out. But one of the things I notice about Andrew that a lot of people don't look at is a lot of them times it's him like riffing on somebody. It's not really right. dope. And people right. mm-hmm. like a lot of the stuff will be like crowd work or it would be like somebody says something, he did a, a bit off of what someone said, and then people come and then you'll actually see his material. Mm-hmm. So you can put out a joke on TikTok. Like if I put my best joke on TikTok, I can't do that joke when you come see me, especially if if that joke becomes a, a sound and like everybody's doing it. Like then it's like, well, one of the things I'm I'm afraid of is that if I do that and then it becomes a sound and then I do my joke, somebody will think that that's not my joke. Yeah, right, 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 right. My fears that if I do a joke or say something on TikTok and it becomes a sound and it goes viral. And usually when it goes viral, the person who said it never gets the credit on TikTok, honestly. Like, they they rarely get, like, somebody else would do it, a voiceover, and blow up, and it's never the original person. And then, right, I'll, right, right, right. and then I'll do it at my show, 
and I come off like I'm stealing because they think I got it from TikTok. So I, I don't. So if you got material and you can do that, then be my guest. But I don't have tons and tons of material that I could just throw out there and shit like that. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't know what like that. Yeah, Randrew does do the like the riffing and the crowd work stuff, but before that, he he was doing a lot of his uh he was doing a lot of his first special, his first YouTube special. Um, but yeah, I, I don't I don't know, man. Like I think I don't think that these guys are a lot of the people. I'll say I don't think a lot of them are writing new material. A lot a lot of them are doing jokes that they haven't finished. And they're like, oh, people laughed at it. I'll put it out. And then they, and then I see them do the same joke on stage. And I'm like, yo, like, come on, son. Like a, a friend of ours, uh, Scott Sice, I won't say that he does it, but Scott Sice is one of the t- is the TikTok guy from IKEA. I don't know if you've seen this where he was talking about uh working at IKEA. He always puts on an IKEA uniform, he has a sound behind him. DC. He's from Baltimore. Yeah. Oh, that I guy think- was oh, yeah. Does he really work at IKEA? He used to. He actually really did. He used to work when he lived in Baltimore. He worked at IKEA. Yeah, and so, but like a friend of mine, uh, he had a sold out show in New York because he blew up on Instagram, and he was like, "Yeah, they made they like people were calling for him to do the IKEA jokes on stage," and I was like, "I don't want that shit." (laughs) And that's that's kind of that's something that we we've talked about here on the podcast too, right, Lawrence? Like. I'm sure you're familiar with Doug Stanhope's and comics like that to where they're they don't go everywhere. They don't tour everywhere. They go to a select area and they have their audience and they pack it out every time. I got a comedian like that too. Uh what's his name? Damn. Kenny Britt? Brooks. Something Brooks. Mike Brooks? Yeah, he don't go out of DC really. Yeah, nah, Mike, Mike, no, they do. Yeah, do. He he, he, he does Mike a lot of private events. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does a shit ton of private events. He don't do like Mike. I think Mike just had a sold out show in North Carolina. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike. Mike gets Mike. Mike gets around, but he. But he does. He does do a stand up whole thing where he only goes where his audience is. Yeah. He's been. He's. He's been doing it so long that he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. Uh. Uh. uh, I want to say. Uh. Go hard in places that don't know him. Because he has he has places that know him enough where if he go put a show in North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, you know what I'm saying, like Arizona, like everybody already know who the fuck he is, so he just go there, yeah, and he rocks out. But I think yeah, he travels like a motherfucker. I know a friend of mine travels with him, so that's the only reason why I know. And and it's it's those things that that like speaking of of the traveling and the TikTok and everything is those things that kind of take away from the authenticity. I think of the individual. That's why I don't care about going viral and doing the things to get the skits created and the content. Yes, you do, like motherfucker. You no, be putting up shit on Instagram every goddamn day, nigga. I put it up every there for me. Every day you are. And I put it up there for me. But you with that, fuck that's, 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 my question. <laughs> that's my question to you, Lawrence. Like, does, does the art of it, does it encompass the social media thing? Or is it something where you're kind of like more like me? In the fact where, like, my posts are just like, hey, this is my stupid, funny commentary or my thought of the moment. That's it. I'm not burning material, but you're going to get me. Is that kind of how you do your social media? Or do you just do promos and flyers? And that's that. Uh, well, I, to be honest, I used to think just like you, man. I used to be like, 
I'm not doing this shit. I'm just focused on like me, my content, and what I want to do. And then, like I said, it takes this back to what he was talking about hustling the right way. It right. takes one person to understand when the times are changing. When the mm-hmm. times change, you have to change with the time. You got to adapt to what's going on. So I noticed that I'm funny. That's a given. I can go on stage and probably outdo any of these internet dudes or whatever when it comes to going on stage and standing up there for 30 minutes and doing a set. But they're, just as well as I can do that, they're killing me on the internet thing. So I had to find my riff and I just create content that I feel is funny and I put it out there. And then I know how to separate my internet following and bring that following over to my standup and then catching with that too. So it is important. I'm not going to say it's not important to create content because like I said, this world, this business is literally ran by your social media follower. Like club literally look at your social media before they look at a clip of you. Like that is the honest thing. Like I speak that from personal experience where club owners have said, Hey, that what do you, how many followers do you have? Never even asked me, was I funny? How many followers do you have? No, so you I, have- I, we we've had we've had we've had club we we've had multiple club uh bookers and and owners on the podcast who literally have expressed that like out out loud like listen bro like we the the what's your engagement in my city? You know what I'm saying? Before I break, like if you have a high engagement, motherfucker, they 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 will pay you. Man. You know what I'm saying? Like just to come. So, but like I said, it takes a smart person to not get wrapped up in that mm. and get wrapped up in your craft. Like it's cool to put out content. It's cool. It's cool to put out these videos. It's cool to put out, you know, whatever it is you're going to put out on Instagram, but don't get that be your, your be all. Like, don't let that get wrapped up. Like I said, I, I hear comedians out. Like I remember when I first started and I hate to say that, like, I feel like I'm so fucking old, but I remember when I was, when I first started, we used to talk about jokes. Like mm. I got this joke. What you think about this joke? Now when I'm out like at the open mics in the clubs, I hear, yo, I, I got this idea for a video. I got yeah. this idea for a video. And I'm not saying it's not right, but don't get wrapped up in that. You know what I'm saying? Don't get wrapped up too much in trying to create a video and it's just taken away from you being a stand-up. But once again, if that's what you want to do. That's what I was about to say. You know what I'm saying? Like if yeah. that's what you want to be, fine. But it don't don't say you wanna that you you doing that, but you want to be a stand up. But all you're doing is videos. That's yeah. what my problem is. Any yeah. that, that tells me exactly what they want to do, then I, I can't be mad at you. If you say, look, dog, I'm just trying to get famous so I can sell out some, do a, a fucking TED talk at a comedy club. All right, fine, do all the videos you want. But if you want to be a stand up, then don't don't do all that. Yeah, because it's it's like that. It ties right into the Scott Size thing, and it ties into every other famous comic too, right? Like, if you do a certain thing the way others have you do it, then you kind of get married to that because you see it. Mm-hmm. Like he mentioned with Scott, I think of like Larry the Cable Guy, right? That dude can't perform anywhere without somebody shouting the "Get her done" thing, right? From the the uh, uh, blue collar yep. comedy school back in the day, yep. right? Little things like that, like I don't want that kind of shit. Like anywhere near me, I don't want to be somebody else's idea of what funny should be. True. 
I mean, you got to pick. Like, it's a choice. Like, that's why I never, I don't do characters too much. Right. Right. Comedians do characters, and then the character blow up, and now you can't be anything You're stuck else. Stuck in that character. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's you go to a show, and people you come out, they look at you like you fucking crazy. Like, bring out the character. So, like I said, it's a thin line. But if that's what you want to do, and you happy with it, I can't be mad at you. Yeah, I think the I think the ones that the ones that like costume it up, I, I don't I don't trip about like I either way I, I don't do characters. I'm not that guy. Yeah, but I'm, I, I look exactly the same. <laughs> like it don't matter what I put on, I'm gonna look exactly like me. But I think like people that can change up their appearance and they only dress like this uh when they're doing that character, I think those guys work if that's what you want to be, but it, it all goes back to like you said, are you just trying to be famous or are you mm -hmm. just trying to be famous? And an actor, and what's that? Like, because I, I say that all the time. Some of you guys, and I say it to people to their face, I don't really care. Some of y'all are, are actors that are doing comedy to get more acting gigs. Yeah. And then you're looking at comics who act to do more comedy and think you're the same. Right. And I think Bill Burr was one of the biggest, uh, even on, on the white side, who said it. And I think Lavelle Crawford said it as well. Like, yeah, I do these roles so that I have more. So I can get more dates. That's it. I don't do these roles because I want to do more acting roles. Now, Bill Burr has become a good actor, so people are giving him more roles. But that's all you see this motherfucker is on the road. Sure. Bill Burr is always on the fucking road. You know what I'm saying? Like, So it's like, that's what, like, I understand that kick, and I'm not mad at people that do that kick. I think I get in my feelings a little bit, and I won't say I won't get mad. I don't, I don't. I don't hate when they do it. I used to say I hate it when they do it. It's not a hate. I think I just get in my feelings when I see comics or actors that do comedy. You get what I'm saying? Versus comedians that act. And the only reason why I, I think I get in my feelings because, and again, Marlon Randolph put me in my place on it. Uh, I think like, oh, you're taking up a slot. You get what I'm saying? And and the, the reality of it though, and, and, and you can, you can yeah. tell me what your thoughts are behind it. I don't think I don't think all the slots are filled, but because we want to think that our, the slots are filled, we'll automatically say it. A friend of mine just said, oh, I keep losing to uh, comics with disabilities and, because they got disabilities. And I was like, no, bro. He was like, nah, man. Every time I go up against a comic with disability, I lose. And I was like, dude, <laughs> this is some real shit because it happened to me twice, right? I mean... I get the but, frustration. It's just kind of funny, like. But they, 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 they people really, like it's like your brain automatically goes to a reason why you lost. No motherfucker, the audience liked them more. Like that'd be like, you, you, why are you comparing the funny, right? Like we already we if you if you haven't seen it by now, then you're just a complainer. It's not about who's the funniest and that person gets the most people. It's about who the most people want to see. True. You see what I'm saying? You know what I mean? So yeah. at the end of the day, I think that's and so I get mad at the actors that do comedy because it's like, of course, more motherfuckers want to see you, you acting ass nigga. Like <laughs> that don't make you funny, motherfucker. But then on the other side, I'm like, nigga, this shit ain't always. It ain't the whole thing ain't about funny. It's percentages, right? And he has a better percentage of people wanting to see it. But I that that's that's true, and I, I'm not gonna lie and act like I don't. I, don't, I never felt that way. I felt. Oh, I feel way. it all the time. I, felt <laughs> I had to. I had to open up for. Then what's her name? 
the real house of no real house Nene. Of, yeah had to open Nene up Leaks. and in South Carolina and I was like pissed off like what the fuck like she not even but then on the flip side you gotta look at it like she's she's putting work somewhere else to get to that position yeah right I have to take that same energy and apply it to what I do. So it's like if she's if she put in work on TV to be able to come to this comedy club, sell it out, mm-hmm. and get paid for it. Now, if I can do that same thing, I'm a, I'm 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 the shit. So I don't right. look, like I stopped looking at it that way and started looking at it the other way. Stop looking at it like damn, she's taking my spot instead of looking at it like damn. Why don't I go after her spot? Mm-hmm. So now it's like, okay, let me get on TV. Let me get a following. Now right. I have a following. I'm on TV, mm-hmm. but I'm also killing it on stage. That's so I'm funny. not for comedians that a crowd comes to see, and they I'm not funny, but they they like me from whatever I was on TV for. Right. My mindset, my mindset shifted to with like. Damn, I want to get to what she got. So now I have both best of both worlds. Right. And I think I think that was one of the things that I did say to somebody and I think this is a lost art. Um it's a it's a really lost art, right? Back in the day and we about to wrap up, but back in the day people used to travel everywhere to get their audience. Facts. You get what I'm saying? And I think mm-hmm. that like because it, I literally had this conversation with my pops, like right? So like I'm about to move to I'm about to move to New York. I'm about to be by uh I want to say by coastal, but I'm not. I'm about to be by city, <laughs> like because I'm about to be in New York and DC, uh, New York and Baltimore. I'm about to travel up and down. Like my girls here, so I'm gonna be here. But then my you know what I'm saying? and my daughter's here. Um, but I need to go. To, I want to go to New York so I, I I can one see more people. You know what I'm saying? And get more listening. Um, and my father. Uh, 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 damn, that shit hurt. All right. Anyway, my father was talking to me about. Um, I saw Jess Hilarious got picked up by Martin Lawrence because she was doing skits. Why don't you just do that? And I was like, Oh man! <laughs> and I had to try. I'm trying to hit sit here and explain it to him. I'm like, No, man, that's a different art. They they have to like the way that they get paid is by doing live shows. And some of them are comedians, right? Jess Lurie is, is is actually a comedian now. Um, ha Ha Davis is not Ha Ryan Davis. Ryan Davis is an actual comedian. And I think he was an actual comedian before he got big on TikTok. Uh, Shula King, actual comedian. Some of these guys are actual comedians, but a lot of them are Instagram guys that had to turn into comedians. True, right? And so I was like. You got to understand that I'm a comedian and that's not my strength. That's not my strong suit. The podcasting is my strong suit. You know what I'm saying? Like we get, we, I got more people. I got more, we got more followers on the podcast than we have, you know what I'm saying? Like on our regular shit. So it's like, but I get to actually be a comedian. We get, I I have, right now I'm doing four jokes that I got only because I've done this podcast. You know what I'm saying? So it's like. Everybody has their median out, right? And 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 I think sometimes we look at some people and like, oh, well, you can be bigger if you do that. And it's like, no, man, they got big off of that because that's what they're good at. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then they bring it all back to comedy. But and I I, I I'll close it with this. 
I, I like I think that a lot of people have gotten away from just the travel, right? Like you go if you open up for Nene Leaks and she got 400 people there, and then you grab 50 people from each show as your new following base, motherfucker. You just gained, you know what I'm saying? Y'all did four shows, you just gained an extra 200 people on your sure. following page. Yep. You get what I'm saying? It's like a lot of motherfuckers don't realize it's like that's how it was back in the day. There was no fucking internet. There was no these motherfuckers put out a record. And then they had to go to the town and try to get people and let people leave that show and be like, oh, James Brown was fucking amazing. Like, who the fuck is James Brown? I got his record. Listen to it. Like, we forget that you can modernize that shit. Uh, just go to fucking towns. And if you yeah. got two people in the audience, blow that shit the fuck up and then yeah. try to get those people to follow you and get their friends to follow you. And that's just my thought. It's harder. It is harder. It's hard as fuck right now. But I do think it's a thing. Definitely. Yo, let's Tell wrap everybody it up. where we they can find hour. you, Lawrence. Yep. Tell exactly. everybody where they can find you. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Lawrence C3H, Facebook, Lawrence Killerbrew, uh, YouTube, Comedy Hustle. Um, I think that's it. Or you can go to my website, man, LawrenceKillerbrew.com. Or you can go to my Comedy Hustle website. It's called ComedyHustle.com. Oh, damn. You got that URL? I wanted that one. I definitely I wanted that one. But it knows crazy. I brought it like eight years ago and I never used it. I just made it into a website probably like two years ago. <laughs> I, brought, I, I brought a lot. That's hey, I ain't gonna front, man. I made a lot of money off of, of buying domains and reselling them and reselling them. Like, I remember one time I Googled, um, like famous names. Yep. Or, Common names or whatever, and I brought one. I brought uh John Lewis, I think it was, or John something. And right. then I reached out to me. He said, "Hey man, can I buy that?" I was like, "Man, give me a thousand dollars. You got it. You paid it." <laughs> Damn, cuz I ain't mad at it, bro. I ain't mad. That's like the motherfuckers that bought shoes.com sneakers. Did you hear? Like, you ever hear about that guy? It's uh, a, it was a it was a group of guys. They just bought all the like. Everything that's in your house, they bought every last one of the dot coms back in the, like in the in the, uh, uh, early like early nineties or, or whatever fuck URL started being for sale, like just bought them all up and then just made a shit ton of money off of like shoes dot com, screwdriver dot com, Phillips flathead dot com, like that is so fucking crazy. Yo, ladies and gentlemen, troublemakers, yo, we see y'all soon. Lawrence Killer Brew, right. man, make sure y'all check him out. Yo, Appreciate we you. out it. Appreciate I appreciate you, bro. That's why I'm mad with it. With it. With it. That's why I'm mad with it. Spit out the trap with it. Whatever you want with it.